Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It's NL Full-Time once again. I'm here. It's me, Luke Edwards, and joining me, I have my three musketeers to look over the FA FA Cup fourth qualifying round action and some league fixtures as well. First up, we have got Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. I like how you're kind of in the... You've got a very white room there, Tom. You look like you've been locked up. I feel like it. I'm in self-isolation. It does feel like I'm in some kind of mental institute after only two days. So come back to me in another 12 and we'll see how we're getting on. Well, it is 2020. It's a cool thing to do now, isn't it? Self-isolate. <laughs> and we've also got with us Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good afternoon, Luke. Good afternoon, chaps. How are we? Very well. Good. And finally, a man who was trending on Twitter this week, but not that one. We thought, what's happened to him? Uh, but it turns out that the other Chris Pratt um, loves Donald Trump and he's hated now in Hollywood. But everyone loves our Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Luke. I did get quite a few messages on, on Twitter, messages of, of, of support from the uh, the, the, the Trump-leaning uh, American. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. And then they go on your Twitter next day and it's like, oh, I'm at Stockport County today. And they're like, wow. Yeah, yeah. they don't stay for long. <laughs> you should well, be careful because people might start thinking it's going to be like a Ryan Reynolds-esque Wrexham thing that Chris Pratt's taking an interest in Stockport County. Uh, yeah, I could play on that, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Rob's not here this week, so but we'll start off with him because he was at Aldershot against Woking, and here, here are his thoughts on Aldershot Woking, and also Boreham Wood against Hartley Whitney. Sorry, I couldn't join you for the pod today, chaps. Have fun uh, discussing the uh, FA Cup results from Saturday. Quick word on the Aldershot Woking game: poor conditions, poor game, poor spectacle, um, a battle of attrition, uh, and one that Woking were far, far more suited to. A deserved win for them. Uh, shots. Uh, went ahead on six minutes, but uh, didn't really back that up. And uh, when Woken equalised just before half-time, it was, it was fully deserved. Shots had a decent spell, first 20 minutes of the second half. A uh, couple of efforts close, headers over from Alfie Whittingham. But uh, they didn't score while they are on top. And uh, it's an unfortunate slip from Mitch Walker, just probably coming out of his area to, uh, to, to make a routine sort of clearance, but slipped twice, uh, ended up prone on the floor. And Kretschmar, full credit to him, he'd just come on as a sub, pounced and tucked the ball away. Um, big, big revenge for Woking. They've uh, come off second best in a lot of the derbies in recent years, but they were well up for this one, fully deserving of the win. Uh, and it was a very, very delighted uh, Alan Dowson afterwards for Aldershot and Danny Searle. And they've got a little bit of work to do. Big, you might hear or see um, everybody on the pitch at the end. Uh, a lot of handbags, really, not an awful lot in it. Um, and uh, uh, Danny Searle agreed afterwards that perhaps if his side had shown a little bit more of that passion during the game, then... Uh, it may have been a different result, but Woking really impressed me. The one area I thought they might be weak today was at centre-forward position, and fair play to Dows. As Aldershot gave a full first debut to uh, Ross McCormack, 
who've played in the championship and scored in the championship. Douse had a little trick up his own sleeve. Got Josh Davison in from Charlton, who's played nine games in the championship, scored in the championship for Charlton last season. And it was him who got the cards level on half-time. So, uh, honours going Woking's way in the battle between the shots and the cards. And uh, Aldershot, well, they're out of another Cup competition in the first round again. A word for uh, Aldershot's Hampshire neighbours, Hartley and Whitney, who uh, went to Dagenham and uh, gave a really, really uh, decent performance. Uh, sadly lost by one goal to nil. Other than that, chaps, I'll leave you to review the rest of the games. And that was Rob, and uh, we've got him out of the way, so let's move on. <laughs> and we'll look, first of all, at some of the shocks that took place. Biggest one, I think, was uh, Maidenhead. They were 2-0 up against Cray. Is it Paper Valley something? Paper Cups? Paper Valley Paper Mills. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. and uh, Great were t- Paper Mills. Love it. That's it, yeah. Um, in fact, bro- both Cray teams advanced. And yeah, but Maidenhead, I mean, they were 2-0 up and... Do you think complacency may be set in? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I don't know a huge a huge amount about Cray Valley paper mills, but obviously Cray's big enough for two sides. So, um, yeah, I think so. When you're when you're a uh, a team three divisions above the other one, and you you two nil up, you you expect to cruise it, don't you? And even though the managers will be saying, you know, respect them, stick to it, stick to the game plan, all that sort of thing. There's something in your head that that does change. Now, I know this from my um, significant experience of playing five-a-side football. When you go five up after 10 minutes, you just switch off. And so that's I'm I'm transferring my experience over to to Maidenhead yesterday. Do you think that was what was said in the dressing room after? It's like when I play (laughs) five-a-side. Brilliant. But yeah, so Manny Paddy got his first goal Maidenhead and Dan Sparks added a second, but ultimately they they crashed out and uh, yeah, a bit of a, a shocker there for Maidenhead. Another side down south, and we featured them a couple of weeks ago where Oxford City and David Oldfield's doing a fantastic job. I know um, we mentioned it with Tom a couple of weeks ago, but and he, and he carried on that fantastic job. They won by two goals to one at Weymouth and a, a bit of a shock there because Weymouth have been Okay, so far, haven't they? Yeah, Weymouth have adapted quite well to uh, National League life. I mean, it's, it, it clearly is a step up, but they, they've been doing okay. But um, yeah, you know, it's always one of those ones, isn't it? There's sort of step two sides knocking out the step one sides, um, particularly when they're step one sides who are also part time. Um, you know, it's, it's very different, say, a Weymouth who are playing National League South last season getting knocked out than maybe a Notts County or a Stockport County. Um, or, for example, you know, a, had it have gone slightly differently towards the end, list and taking Barnet right to uh, right to the death. Yeah, and we'll look at that game in a minute. But the other one as well, the other shock was South Shield against Halifax, and we've seen South Shield a couple of times this year, Chris, and they do like to pass around uh, a bit. And but in in the Northern Premier League, I think teams are just happy to to sit in and kick them. Whereas I'm guessing Halifax would have gone up there and and tried to maybe take them on, which maybe will have worked in their favour. And, and they won by two goals to nil in the end. Two divisions below, and they knocked out Halifax. Yeah, this was a fascinating one, wasn't it, Luke? Because as you say, we've seen them already this season. We saw them last season. They were, I think it's fair to say, they were head and shoulders above most teams in the um, in the in what was the um, better victor, which is now the pitching in uh, Northern Premier League. I, I wouldn't have thought this was a shock last season, I think, 
but it's a bit more of a shock this season because South Shields haven't been going so well so far. They've had a poor start. They're around about mid-table in the division. I think they've got nine points out of seven. And so they do play good football. They've got some decent players. Darius Osai got the goal. He's former Oldham. He's played for Maidstone. Um, uh, Rob Briggs, he's a very much a northeast lad. So he's been around the Blyes, the Spennymoor. So we're talking about players with with experience about the levels that we talk about every week. And they've just signed um, Jack Hindle as well, haven't they, from Barrow? So. Yeah, they have. And, and for people uh, unfamiliar with South Shields, they were the team that, uh, well, they were cast iron certainties to go up really before everything uh, ended abruptly last season with, um, with COVID. It uh, seems a long time ago that now, doesn't it? But I think the, the result was well-deserved by all accounts. And I know that a few Halifax fans were... Um, well, put it this way, I haven't seen any post-match from Halifax, which might perhaps tell a story about um, how the management team were feeling about that game. The other shocking one that Tom is going to come on to now was Wealdstone, newly promoted Wealdstone, who again have had two good wins over the last week. Uh, they came crashing back down to earth, though. They lost 2-0 at home to Hazing Yedin and had a man sent off as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a, and, and by all accounts, it could have been three or four. I think... Um, it sounds like it, you know, both sides are very much in the match, but Wilson, uh just sort of struggling to make those half chances into real full chances. Um, but certainly, you know, we, we're going to listen listen to uh, Liam McDevitt, the Hazen and Yedding skipper, shortly, uh, and he says that you know there's all bodies on the line for Hazen Yedding. They've they've staked their claim for a promotion run on clean sheets so far, and then at the other end they've got the goals of Francis Amati. Uh, he scored, and Omar Rowe scored for Hazen Yedding. I think that's uh, just have a quick look. I think that's uh, Francis and Marty has now got uh, five goals in the league and another two in the cup for Hazen getting this season. He was obviously at Slough Town last year, so he's got that sort of National League pedigree. But yeah, that is undoubtedly a surprise. Wilson have beaten uh, Wrexham and Chesterfield, established football league clubs in the last uh, week. And now they come unstuck at home against uh, Hazen Yedding. Yeah, and we'll hear now from the Hazen Yedding skipper, Ling McDivitt, and how they actually knocked out Wealdstone. Okay, so I'm joined by Liam McDevitt, the captain of Hayes and Yedding United. Um, Hayes and Yedding, of course, who achieved one of the one of the biggest uh, upsets of the gate of the round yesterday, beating National League Wilson two 0 Liam, when you were preparing for that match, did you think an upset like that was on the cards? Yeah, you know, going into the game, um, we obviously knew we'd be underdogs, this that and the other, um, but we quietly backed ourselves as we do going into every game sort of played in our favour playing against a team two leagues above you you've got nothing to lose they've got everything to lose um, but I don't think it was a smash and grab game uh, I feel like we set up our game plan uh, spot on um, and how we performed on the day just backed everything up and it and it all it all fell into place and the 2-0 result um, and into the first round proper it's an amazing achievement for the players and the club once again Absolutely, and, and you've uh, you've had a, a pretty solid defensive record so far in the league this season. Um, you were up against a team who scored three goals and four goals in their last two matches against Chesterfield and Wrexham. What was it like for you as a centre back and as the captain, sort of marshalling a defence against players of that calibre? Yeah, we, look, we we knew it'd be a tough test uh, with their strikers uh, and their forward play. We worked on it a lot in training. We knew that they'd be getting. The overloads out wide with the fullbacks and their wingers, I felt like we nullified that fairly well in, in both halves. Obviously, in the second half, 
last 20 minutes, they had a lot of pressure, um, but we defended through it. Um, but yeah, with regards to marshalling and that, for me personally as an individual, that's a key part of my game. Um, and as you, you've probably seen with results in the league and the FA Cup recently, I think we've kept four clean sheets in the last five games, um, which speaks highly to obviously the back four, the keeper, um, and the overall work ethic of the team um, throughout. And then looking forward, um, you know, it's, just, it, it's the second time in two seasons that you've made the first round proper, which is a massive achievement for a Step 3 club. Um, what would you like out of the draw? Yeah, firstly, a lot of credit to the club uh, and the group of players we got to achieve the first round proper two seasons on a trot. Oh, I've never done that myself before um, for a club playing at Step 3 in the National League Pyramid. So that's an amazing achievement, first and foremost. I think, speaking for a lot of people at the club, We'd love the home tie. Um, again, it, it would be fantastic to get the cameras down there um, against a big side and really prepare a good occasion again, like we had against Topswood last season in the FA Cup first round proper. So I think that's what we will all be hoping for. Um, but then on the other hand, just to be in the first round proper and have another opportunity uh, causing an upset and going further in the cup, um, that's a fantastic opportunity as well itself. And of course, having beaten a side who were at step one already, this, you know, whilst there are some really big teams to come into it, I think the likes of Portsmouth and Sunderland join this round. You can really go in, as you said, for this tie, nothing to fear, nothing to lose. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, within our group of players, we know we've got individuals um, that can be playing at a higher level. We know that the reason why we're all probably playing at this level that we are at the minute is consistency, I would say. Um, week in week out performing to the levels that we did yesterday but we know and we believe in the squad that we got the players we've got going forward the way we've gelled at the back keeping clean sheets and being defensively solid we know we've got good enough team to beat teams in the Conference South Conference North National League and then you look at your League One and your League Two teams and you think why not um, on the day anything can happen so that's the mentality uh, that we'll be going into the first round proper in a couple of weeks time um, whoever we draw um, tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. And, and just like uh, myself and all the listeners of this podcast, I'm sure you'll be glued to the TV screen tomorrow evening and have all your uh, your teammates on speed dial ready to uh, talk about the draw you've got. Yeah, no, definitely. We've, uh, we've, we'll all be on the WhatsApp group, sitting there waiting, watching BBC or BT, whichever the draw is on. As I said before, it's, it's a massive positive for the club and for us to be playing in the first round proper once again anyway. So whatever the draw is, We'll enjoy it. Uh, we'll prepare right for it. So our, our most important next game is Tuesday night in the league against Chesham because that's what we need to be winning this season. We need to be right up there um, with the other teams that are right up there in the league. So that's what we'll prepare for first. And then in a few weeks' time, look forward to the FA Cup first round proper um, and see where we can go from there. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, Liam, um, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Form. Speak soon. Cheers. And that was Liam McDevitt and two other Results that I know Dickie will have had his keen eye on yesterday with upsets was, uh, first of all, Geisley losing at FC United in the, the last minute there. And uh, Geisley, it's not like they've been struggling, is it really, Dickie? They've had a solid start to the season. Yeah, they have. And obviously, you know, <clears throat> a team from um, a lower division knocking you out, it, it is a surprise. Um, although FC United are, uh, you know, I think are, one of the stronger teams in the in the division below. So um, I don't know whether, you know, the fact that a game has to be settled on the day 
now is is a factor in some of these games that we're seeing as well. You know, there's no keeping it tight and 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 looking for um, a replay because that's not going to happen. You know, so you you've you've got to go for it in these games. And yeah, it'd be disappointing to Geisley, for Geisley. They made the second round. Um, a couple of years ago and had a televised game. And I think the, the money they got from that was a, a big fillip for the club. So, um, yeah, it's a disappointment. And the other one as well, an even bigger shock, was Chester losing at home to Marine. Chester in fifth in the National League North. And they lost to Marine, who, again, uh, they are two divisions below Chester and a home defeat for them. Yeah, and there weren't any excuses offered by um, Chester manager Anthony Johnston either, as you kind of expect from him. He tends to to, to talk fairly straight about most things. Um, and I think I read a comment from him suggesting that, that, that there were some players at the club who need to take on board what it is to actually represent Chester FC. Um, obviously, uh, no fans in. To, to see the game, but uh, that's a, a you know it's a disappointment for them. They'd have hoped to to go on and do better than that. And um, it's suggesting that maybe one or two of them are, are, are struggling a little bit with the pressure of, of the club that they're representing. Yeah, I, well, I, I actually saw some comments from uh, Burnham Morley as well. So they've both been <laughs> they've both been quite active. He said they've been beat off a side that was more hungry today. You don't want to hear that when you're the the higher tier tier club after an FA Cup game. And uh, he said they made us look a, la- a laughing stock today as well. So I only wonder whether Chester have been reeling after their um, the toilet and the movie debacle with the in the car park. That has everyone heard about that one this week? Um, so Chester raising a bit of money. They had a, a movie screen in in the car park, but uh, no one was able to use the toilets because they were in Wales. So, so they, they had to sort a solution. So maybe that's rocked them a little bit. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know and wonders what Chris is on about, the way end at Chester Ground is actually in Wales, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this time the toilets were in Wales. And um, yeah, so <laughs> a bit of red tape gone mad there, I think. Wow. Yeah. There we go. So uh, you had to crush your legs. That is mental. <laughs> yeah. Or bring a big bottle of water. <laughs> Oh, don't bring a big yeah. bottle of water. Yeah. Don't drink it. Don't drink it, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, I know the team that knocked out Telford, Dickies Telford, Layston, they had a really good game against Barnet on Saturday. It was intriguing because Barnet had seven players who tested positive for COVID, but they, they insisted that the game go ahead and they were happy to play it, maybe a bit of a risk so they could get through and maybe get the, the prize money and, and maybe get a plum draw in the first round. And it looked like it might backfire a couple of times. They were behind twice in that game before eventually they prevailed late on two uh, two goals in that game from Michael Petrasso, the Canadian. And uh, Dickie, a surprise, Layston took Barnet all the way. No, I'm not. In 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 some respects, it's it's not the easiest of places to go. It's certainly a bit easier for Barnet to get there than it was for Telford on a Tuesday evening. But you know, with with um, players absent from Barnet, and I think Layston would have fancied their opportunity of 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 taking another scalp and going on. And it's to Barnet's credit that they've managed to um, see that one through. I think, to be perfectly honest, I think all the ingredients were there for um, an upset. But but Barnet have um, have you know just shown enough in the end. But yeah, it's disappointing for Leicester. You know they've they've they come a long way, and um, 
you know, they would have hoped to get to the next round. I think I saw some comments last night from their um, their joint manager, Darren Eady, used to play for Norwich City, wasn't very happy with the some of the officiating at the game, I don't think. Um, but yeah, they've had a they've had a good run in the competition, Leiston, and as I say, took the scalp at Telford. So um, yeah, they, they, it's it's been good for them. Well, they couldn't really go any higher after taking the scalp at Telford, could they? <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, moving on and looking at some teams who. Maybe look like there could have been an upset, but then uh, they comfortably on paper it looked like there might have been an upset from the offset, but wasn't in the end. Uh, as Rob mentioned, Dagenham and Redbridge against Hartley Whitney, it was only one nil to Dagenham in the end, and also Boreham Wood. They were nil nil for quite a while against Wimborne before they eventually prevailed. It took it took an hour for Boreham Wood to break down Wimborne in the end, but then Jamal Fifield and Kabongo Shimanga scored. So uh, credit to Wimborne in that game and certainly weren't disgraced. Western Supermare, they were the same as well. They gave it a good go against Eastley. Uh, they, uh, again, it took an hour for Eastley to break down Western Supermare. Uh, they scored two. Go- they scored three goals though, in 12 minutes and eventually saw off their Southern League opponents. Guys, any other results that stood out for you? I know there weren't many upsets yesterday, but was there anything that kind of Stood out for you where you thought, oh, that might have been a tricky one and it ended up not being. No, I've got a couple of games that I think are worthy of a mention. Yeovil 4, well, Yeovil 3, Dover 3 and 8-7 on penalties. Yo- Yeovil 1 and Dover just can't buy a win at the moment, can they? Even in the uh, even in the FA Cup. And I, I saw that um, Andy Hessenthaler was talking after the game and his average age of his team was 21. And really interesting point this because he had he made five changes. He, he'd just been to Torquay recently in uh, in a recent game. Now I know most places from Dover is quite a long way, um, but they are they have had quite a few uh, long travels recently. But one thing that he did mention is that with the FA Cup being not being as financially rewarding this this time around, that it maybe might be colouring um, a few team selections as well. Um, and he went on to say, you know, the FA Cup's really important and he's always respected it and all that sort of thing. So that's not in question. But I do think that maybe because there's not as much on offer might be um, might be colouring a few uh, team selections, possibly. Yeah, I don't think there were too many others that uh, that stood out on the day. I think there's there's actually there's one game going on at the moment, actually. So we, um, it's doubtful we'll know the result before we get to the end of this podcast. But AFC filed currently 2-1 up on Altrincham. So... Again, whether you would, I guess you'd call that a shock in the truest sense of the word in that it'd be a lower division team being a higher division team. But if you look at the relative um, resources and squads at, at both clubs, then then maybe file beating altering wouldn't be quite so much of a shock. But um, yeah, there's still about 25 minutes to go in that one yet. Jordan Hume scored a cracker, I believe, as well. On his debut, oh, that was, was written in the stars, wasn't it, that that was going to happen? Are we sure. going to say that Chesterfield <clears throat> knocking out Stockport on penalties is an upset? Feels like one to me. He said that with it. He said that with their budget like a lower league Manchester United and then Chesterfield. Uh... <laughs> he said that with a big grin on his face. Yeah, and then what I would say is that Chesterfield were much better than they were last week uh, on, the, on the televised BT Sport game in the league when... Uh, when County beat them 2-1, but um, they played a 5-3-2 yesterday and they did, they certainly nullified um, the attacking threat by by County. And then second half, County came out, they were much better. Uh, they got the goal 
But fair, fair play to Chestfield. They kept knocking at the door and Milan Butterfield equalised. And he also scored the winning penalty. So he had a, he had a decent afternoon. Yes, yeah, so, uh, you know, there were some very interesting results thrown up by the uh, the fourth qualifying round yesterday in the National League South. Um, I think we'll have to start with Bath City going down 3-0 at home to Haven and Waterlooville. Uh, now, obviously, Haven and Waterlooville are a very strong side. You would fancy them in most situations, but Bath have sort of set their stall out on having a very strong defensive record over the last few years. Um, so to see Haven't put three past them uh, away in Bath uh, is is a really good result for Haven and Waterlooville. Um, they weren't the only big winners from the National League South yesterday, though. Um, Tunbridge Angels stuck five past th- Step 3 Taunton Town. Um, there's a division disparity there, but of course, Tunbridge only came up two seasons ago. Uh, Taunton Town are probably one of the stronger sides in their league. Uh, so for Tunbridge, we had to put five past them, look nice and comfortable and just sail through into uh, the first qualifying or the first round proper. will give them a lot of confidence moving on into the league campaign as obviously it becomes quite congested now as well. Um, and that's the that's the big the big sort of elephant in the room as we get towards uh, the winter months where we're going to be seeing games start to get cancelled is actually the further you go in these cup runs, the more pressure it does put you on you in the league campaigns. Uh, so for the likes of Tunbridge, I know Hampton and Richmond Borough because their uh, friendly against their match against Eastbourne is postponed to enable this game. They'll now have to face Eastbourne on Tuesday. And next Tuesday, they've got to travel away to Hungerford Town. These sort of Saturday Tuesdays are coming thick and fast now. Um, so being able to dispatch a team quite comfortably, as opposed to going right to the right to the wire, still tired legs, chasing every ball, etc. That's that's got to be quite a good outcome. And. Tom's Hampton and Richmond Borough, they had a hard-fought 1-0 win at Hemel Hempstead and he spoke to Gary McCann, the manager, uh, just before we recorded this podcast. I'm joined by Hampton and Richmond Borough manager Gary McCann off the back of a 1-0 victory against Hemel Hempstead Town yesterday. Um, Gary, an intra-divisional match against a side that you know well. It was your 99th competitive match as manager of Hampton and Richmond Borough. Just how important was that win? Yeah, it was a really important win for the football club, uh, Tom. I mean, an important win for us in our season as well. Um, you know, we've not quite got uh, up and going yet. We've not really gone through the gears yet. I think most teams are suffering for different reasons, Tom. But, you know, we know our responsibility on the pitch and, you know, in the management office of how, how important the financial gains are from a, a good cup run. So, you know, we know there's a responsibility on our part. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a nice win. Absolutely, I'll, I'll come to the finances shortly, but um, in 96 years, I think it is, Hampton Richmond Borough have made it to the, second, to the first round proper twice. In three years, under you and your management team, they've now equaled that. What's the secret? Um, what's the secret, Tom? I mean, we've look, I, there's no question being in the Conference South makes that uh, run towards the, the first round proper a little easier. There's less games, Tom, obviously. Um, but you've still got to be as fortunate as you can be with the draw um, he's got to be kind to you at any time you can be served up with you know a real difficult away tie or a real difficult home tie especially when you get that fourth qualifier so in that sense it's um, in both runs I mean I know we beat Eastley at Eastley in the first year I took over which was you know with a real underdogs in that game so yesterday you know it was as you just said it was against one from our division so you know it was uh, it was a game that was relatively kind considering all the National League sides had come in so you know, I'm really pleased with that that uh, you know we've managed to achieve it 
two out the last three years and now let's hope the draw is really kind for us to, tomorrow evening you know as you say I mean I watched the game against Corinthian as well step four club and uh, no step five club in fact in they've Corinthian Hornchurch Hemel they've all been tough games haven't they everyone seems to be able to raise their game for the cup yeah, yeah they do and that's you know that's why they're always banana skins when you're playing against teams from lower divisions because you do you get the levels uh, raised you maybe subconsciously your own players take the game a little lightly and you know that's something we emphasise in and we really you know go over as a, as a management team it's very much our, our remit within our preparation throughout the week to you know to, to, to treat the all the opposition that we have come up against, especially cup competition, seriously and, and with respect, and, and definitely in the FA Cup. So, yeah, they've been tough games, Tom. Corinthian really give us a you know good good, good run for our money. All church, we went to penalties, and and you know was hanging on right at the end yesterday. Um, so, all being in their own way, three tough games. So, looking on to the next round. I mean, personally, as a Plymouth Argyle fan, I'm hoping for an away tie at Home Park. But typically, clubs from the non-league system like to get a home tie against a, a, a league side get the fans in get behind the team and get an upset does having yeah, no fans change what you're looking for? Yeah totally I think you know we, we all look, it's a day out isn't it in the first round because if you get drawn against a, a you know, football league club it's a, you know you become huge under, underdogs if you're, if you're at home or away you know, if you're getting one of the big boys and it's one of the true big boys with a good, you know, a good following, then you want it away from home, didn't you, for financial gains and obviously for the experience of the, you know, the squad. But, you know, with this year, with no fans and, and with it being as difficult as, you know, it is on a, you know, game to game basis, I think, you know, we would, my own personal preference would be a good home tie against one of the big clubs with maybe some TV interest. You know that would be that would be the perfect scenario. Um, most of them, the management team were in a agreement of maybe a lesser team at home, so we can progress a little further. I get that as well. But um, you know, when you get to the first round problem, that draws being made. You know, there's no getting away from the fact that you want a you want a big tie. You know, I'll fall in with you if, if Plymouth falls out. I'd be overly pleased with something like that, Tom. And uh, you know, you've mentioned the final a few times we need to talk about it especially this year with Covid I think the uh, the run so far has earned the club about 18,000 the next round is worth 22 yep. it, these aren't just footballing decisions are they this is this is important to the survival of the club essentially yeah I mean look I come from a, a background where the, the FA Cup and FA Trophy runs were paramount to keeping my budget at a sustainable level I think it was um, it was put in my lap every year that we needed to have a cup run to you know for the budget to be maintained so I've always had a responsibility and a duty to you know to, to, to bring in some finances in and, and my mindset's not changed I, I know you know the, the, the current situation we find ourselves in every single penny matters and you know to bring that sort of money to the table on the, on the, on a, on a, on a playing perspective is you know is pleasing on our part for sure but like I've just said if we can get a, a winnable cup tie in the in the next round at home against one of the, you know, the lesser ranked teams and you know that Gain in itself sort of is, uh, is huge money, and you know, and it is you know it's it's the sort of money that uh, you know that uh, will go a long way to helping and to stay in the you know the football club going forward, Tom. So you know the cup come and they have reduced them this year, Tom, which I mm. thought was a little bit unfair, but I understood the reasons why. But um, it's still a real good financial gain for any football club progressing in the uh, in the FA Cup. Uh, and you spoke about the playing budget there as well. You've obviously added to the squad this week. You've brought in Wilson Carvalho um, from Macclesfield Town. Um, are you looking to get him straight into the squad for Eastbourne Borough? I know he came off the bench late in, in the game yesterday. 
Yeah, I think he's. we've got to get him up and running quickly. He's had sort of five or six weeks where he's been waiting around trying to get as high a you know, placed team as he possibly can. He was obviously in the Football League last year, um, which is the highest he's played. Um, we, he had already done a deal with Macclesfield before their fall-off. Um, so he's been trying to find a, a National League side or above, um, and I understood that and respected that. But it got to a stage where he needs to get himself playing and get himself in the shop, shop window as such. And, you know, there's no better place than, you know, our um, our building for him to be working. I told him that. I tried to get him in a couple of times. He's a he's a really talented wide player that can play in anywhere in the front three positions. But we've got to be a little bit patient with him because he's not had a lot of football um, time in the last six to eight weeks. But, you know, we will be looking to get him up and running as quickly as we can. And Tuesday, you know, maybe an opportunity to do that with the games coming thick and fast now. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks very much for your time today, Gary. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, I'm sure you'll be in front of the TV screen tomorrow evening watching the draw, just like the rest of us. Yeah, we'll do. And that's no problem, Tom. You're most welcome. Yeah, we will be. We're, uh, we're hoping for it to be kind to us. So, fingers crossed. And that was Gary McCannon. They'll be, they'll be delighted, won't they, but from a financial point of view, more than anything else to get through to that first round, won't they, Tom? Absolutely. And, you know, he, he talks about it very clearly there. He, he understands that a good cup run, he's always worked under these conditions when he was at Hendon, etc., a good cup run impacts what you can do with your squad for the rest of the season. It's, it is that simple, particularly in a cave environment. I thought it was really interesting what he was saying about uh, the lack of fans impacting on the sort of draw that would be seen as a positive draw for the next round. I think typically all those fans of us non-league clubs, we'd love to get a home draw against a big side. But nowadays you're not looking at having those bumper gates. You know, the likes of Portsmouth coming down to, um, you know, the Beverly, for example, they're not going to be bringing those thousands of fans that they would be and all the money that's going to go through the past. So it's interesting, isn't it? Do we actually look at it now that non-league clubs, particularly at the step one, step two, you'd rather get the Skelmers Dales or the Canby Islands and try and get through to round two? Yes, yeah, so no, absolutely. Like that, like, yeah. and, getting, and getting the prize and getting the prize money from it. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it'd be like a proper game, a normal game, wouldn't it? Really, if you if you get one of those uh, lesser sides. Yeah. And you know, eighteen thousand for a step two side, they've won eighteen thousand pounds so far to get to the AR. The next round is twenty two grand on its own. Um, but you know, the the flip side of that is you get uh, bring a AFC Wimbledon, for example, to. Um, so a club in London, your TV company's going to be all over that, and that's a massive windfall as well, isn't it? Yeah, even if it's behind closed doors, uh, if you get a TV game, that's extra income just on top of that, anyway, isn't it? Regardless of if you win or not, so it's um, you're kind of in a win-win situation if that happens. So we're going to look quickly now at the league fixtures that took place in the North and South divisions, and in the North. There was four games played on Saturday. Most notably was probably the, would you say, well, I won't say top of the table clash because um, Boston are down near the bottom just because they've only played one game so far. But they played a, an informed Telford side, who, as I mentioned last week, have yet to win away from home. And uh, that was the case still, wasn't it, Dickie? They've, they've been good at home, not at one two, not conceded yet, but they've not won away yet. Yeah, that's right. It was um, Telford's fourth game of the season yesterday and only Boston's second league game of the season. Um, and there's only a point separating them there because Boston have won both of their fixtures so far. But yeah, it, it was a very it was a very close game. Played at Gainsborough Trinity because of um, Boston unable to move into their new ground at the Quadrant just yet. Um, and yeah, played in, in 
fairly torrential rain at times as well, as I think a lot of games around the country were. But yeah, it was a really good contest. Uh, Telford led through Aaron Williams, but uh, yeah, Boston equalised fairly soon after that through Jordan Fulis. Went into the lead just before half-time with a goal from Jordan Burrow and then got a third just after half-time through Scott Garner. So they're 3-1 up. Jason Oswell scored his third league goal of the season to get Telford back into it at 3-2. But yeah, they just couldn't mount enough of a charge to um, uh, get a point out of the game. But uh, arguably that was possibly what they deserved. Yeah, and Boston have got a good forward line this year, haven't they? Like I say, Jordan Thielis, Jordan Burrow. Uh, there's goals in that lineup, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I think what struck me yesterday was particularly not not just the forward line, especially, but I think I think their midfield is very good as well. I think Paul Green um, was an addition over the summer um, by by manager Craig Elliott, and he stood out for me. He looked like he's really going to sort of make them tick. Um, and yeah, but Boston came into that game off for a two-week layoff after after um, having to have players self-isolate because of um, COVID tests that that came back positive. But yeah, they didn't look it. I think that you can see that um, you know Craig Elliott's added a lot of quality to that Boston side, which was already fairly good. You know, they finished third in the league last season and were beaten playoff finalists. And to me, the players he's added are players of the calibre who they would have been adding if they'd have actually got promoted into the National League, to be perfectly honest. So um, Boston probably won't thank me for saying this, but it's easy to see why they've been made promotion favourites, to be perfectly honest. And I think if if they don't succeed in doing that, I think they'll, um, you know, there'll be a lot of disappointment, some questions asked, because I think the level of investment that's gone in, you'd expect them to be up there. They do look uh, a powerful side this year, along with... With Kidderminster, they had a bit of a slow start to the season, didn't they, Kidderminster? However, they've uh, followed it up with two really good wins. And that was a good win in difficult... I mean, it's difficult to go to Charlotte at the best of times, but especially in the sort of conditions it was yesterday, to come out and uh, win that 2-0. It, it's a game you probably would have lost over the last couple of seasons, that, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair... Uh... Uh, assessment of things. I think uh, Kidderminster fans' own assessment of their team is that they've they've had a soft centre. To be perfectly honest, that that they're not able to see those kind of games out. You know, I think when they brought back Keith Lowe towards the end of last season, um, that was seen as a hugely positive step because, you know, despite the fact that I think Keith Lowe might be sort of like 34, 35 now, he's got a huge amount of experience and he's kind of, I would use that term battle hardened about him. And when you've, you need players who know how to see a game out, then, then he's one of them. And, and, you know, that suggests that, you know, Russell Penn knows what Kidderminster need. I think it was two goals from Amari Sterling James yesterday, who, who joined them over the summer, having been at Kettering last season. And yeah, that, that's a really fine result. I mean, on the flip side of that for Chorley, that's their fourth league defeat in four league outings. Um, and as much as they had a, a good win in um, the FA Cup against Darlington and then they've progressed and then have actually got the bye to the first round, having been the team that came out of the draw, the fourth qualifying round draw, the, 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 the lucky team that didn't have anybody to be paired up with because of Macclesfield. Yeah, it, it's not it's not looking fantastic for Chorley at the moment. You know, there's been a big overhaul there. I think I've probably mentioned it in previous editions of the podcast. And uh, yeah, four four defeats from four is not um, and not a great way to be starting off. Yeah, and um, I mean, well, the, the 
FA Cup draws taking place at Charlie as well tomorrow. So at least that's one little boost for them having the uh, team down there doing that. Just two more fixtures then uh, before we run out of time. Talking of Kettering, they won three one against Bradford Park Avenue. Returned to action and, and Blydeswolves continue with three 0 home defeat against Southport. Yeah, ultimately, I don't think either of those alts are particularly a surprise. I think Paul Cox has made Kettering a a much stiffer proposition since he came into the club last year. And um, yeah, I think Bradford Park Avenue might have had a a layoff recently as well, uh, as as well as Kettering, I think, off the top of my head. So yeah, that's a good win for Kettering. Um, And yeah, for for Blythe Spartans, losing at home 3-0 to Southport, you know, I'm not sure necessarily the margin would have been what we would have expected. But um, I think my fear about Blythe when I saw them the other week against Telford is that they've got a a pretty young side, to be perfectly honest. And I think it's the kind of game that against Telford, they were only a goal down and there was still 15, 20 minutes left. And they probably still had that hope that they could get something. But my my concern about them is that if they go two, three goals behind a game that, you know, younger players' heads may drop and it, it, it could prove to be a long season for them unless they can... Um, you know, maybe get a little bit more experience in, but it's it's the I think it's the question of whether budgets allow that at Blythe, to be perfectly honest. So let's move on to National League South. There's only two games played in that division yesterday. The, the most entertaining game was at Ebsleet. Ebsleet against Hungerford and Hungerford were leading in that game twice uh, before Ebsleet came on strong in the second half. Maybe that full time edge just saw them home in the end. Yeah, I mean, would it would it be fair to say that Hungerford are probably the surprise package of the National League system so far this season? Uh, they were three wins and three. Um, after three and a half matches, they looked like they were about to make it four. They were, I think, 2-1 up at half-time. Mike Jones and Luke Hopper with the goals. So Luke Hopper's obviously come up from Salisbury this season. Um, and Danny Robinson's done that very well. He's picked uh, some, some really good finds from the lower leagues and brought them up with him. Um, but at the end of the day, Ebsfleet were, were just too strong. Um, the fact that the goal scorers for Ebsfleet, you know, with Reese Grant, Oldershot Town, Dagenham, Redbridge, uh, Pedigree, Lee Martin, Football League, uh, Manchester United, Pedigree, I think he was on the bench for them in the Champions League. And then Bobby Joe Taylor, who signed from Dover in the summer, you know, that is, that's some real quality that Ebsfleet are able to put in the field there. And we shouldn't be surprised that they did take the 3-2 win, but... All credit to Hungerford Town. I think if you offered them nine points from four games at the beginning of the season, they'd have absolutely snapped your hand off for that. Yeah, doing well so far. And then Chelmsford against Maidstone. Uh, even though it was only 1-0, it was a, an entertaining game by all accounts. Adam Morgan won the penalty and then scored it. Maidstone missed two penalties of their own in the end and ended up falling down to a defeat, another defeat for them. That, that does their first defeat, so I'll do that again. And Maidstone missed two penalties, which meant they fell to their first defeat of the season. So they stay in fifth position and Chelmsford are in ninth. I, I won't be looking at the league table just yet. I think uh, eight to ten games probably when I'll start to pay some attention to it. I don't probably, I would imagine, at the time that I start to pay attention to it, Maidstone will be closer to where Chelmsford are at the moment. I don't really expect them to be sailing this high for that much longer. Um, Adam Morgan, though, good start to the season for him. Obviously, he moved down south and was with Romford at the back end of last season as part of uh, Glenn Tamplin's travelling band of non-league wanderers. But, um, yeah, he's another player with that real pedigree, isn't he? He came through at Liverpool's youth there. Yeah, I think he's five or six goals he's scored now since he, moved, he arrived at Chelmsford. He's really taken to this league very well. 
Absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing as well in the National League South, there's only one that's going down this season, isn't it? So I suppose, like, when you get into kind of February, March time, it'd be easy for teams to just cut the budget and just keep their heads above water, knowing potentially that they won't be going down this year. Very much so. And I saw um, there were some interesting comments on the National League South forum the other day where some people thinking they were looking at Hemel Hempstead, for example. Um, a lot of the players Hemel have brought in have been from step four and step five, uh, which obviously that's the that's the field that their new management team have come from Birkenstead know. But there was some commentary about how Hemel just made that sort of tactical decision, put the money into the pitch. They've brought in, a, they've, they've uh, established a 3G pitch now, put the money into the pitch and the infrastructure, try and just survive this season on the logic that only one side's going down and there are objectively clubs in this division, Braintree, Hungerford, Tunbridge, who are a lot smaller than Hemel. And maybe that's maybe that's not the worst strategy. This is this is going to be a completely unique season when we look back on it in the future. Uh, at least we hope it will be. I'd be pretty upset if next season ends up being the same. But um, yeah. yeah, I think there'll be a lot of teams out there who will just be thinking, we just need to survive. As long as there's one team below us, that's all that matters. Yeah, if you finish 20th, it's it's happy days in that sense. Well, uh, guys, thanks very much for joining us once again this week. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. And we'll see you all next week when the National League is back in full swing with a full league programme all being well. Until then, we'll see you all very soon and look after yourselves. <laughs>